Kia ora, this is Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific. I'm Elisha Foon. Coming up... He was pardoned uh, and sent to prison rather than sentenced to death. In Fiji, three high-profile prisoners convicted for their part in the 2000 military mutiny and coup have been granted presidential pardons. Also, the Secretary-General of the Pacific Islands Forum has labelled COP28 a disappointment as he reflects on a big year for the region. And later... Less than 2% of the psychologist profession is Pacific. We hear from the newly appointed first Pacific Professor of Psychology at New Zealand's University of Otago. We begin the show with some tragic news and a sober reminder to everyone swimming in lagoons over the summer holidays. A 50-year-old New Zealand man has died in Naratonga's lagoon at Avavaroa Passage, which is a popular spot for swimming with turtles. Police spokesperson Trevor Pitt says police received a distress call Monday afternoon local time. Mr Pitt says the man was pulled out of the water by a turtle tour operator, but was unresponsive. He says several people have drowned in Raratonga's passages. You'll find that at certain times of the day, the current is, is the most strongest, and these rips can overwhelm swimmers quite easily. Even the most strongest swimmer will, won't be able to fight those currents. We'll have more on this incident in our upcoming show. In Fiji, three high-profile prisoners convicted for their part in the 2000 military mutiny and coup have been granted presidential pardons. Fiji President Ratu Williame Katonavere granted clemency for Naitasiri High Chief Ratu Inoke Takivakata, Timuthi Silatolu and Yosefa Nata at Government House in Suva on Tuesday. Ratu Inoke was convicted in 2011 for inciting mutiny at the Queen Elizabeth Barracks in 2000, while Mr Silatolu and Mr Nutter were convicted of treason for their parts in the coup that followed. Kuroi Hawkins spoke with John Frankel, an expert on Melanesian politics at the Victoria University of Wellington, who was living in Fiji when the mutiny and coup broke out. He began by asking the professor what he thought of this week's presidential pardons. Well, uh, there's been talk about this uh, of, of recent months, ever since the new uh, Rambuka-led coalition government came into office, uh, talk about releasing George Spate, the coup leader from 2000, but also uh, these uh, three prominent figures from the uh, 2000 coup. Aratu Inoki Takivakata is a Nigeria high chief who was... Uh, 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 found guilty of inciting the mutiny on November the 2nd, 2000. This was a mutiny at the Queen Elizabeth Barracks. I lived very close to that. There was a, all hell broke loose on that day. And uh, uh, Bainimarama, the um, military commander, escaped across the cassava patch very famously. Um, uh, so that was a, a major disruption in Fiji. Uh, the other two, uh, Timothy Sinatola is an interesting fellow. He He was actually a a Fijian Association Party Member of Parliament. Uh, that was one of the parties that was actually in coalition with uh, Mahendra Chowdhury, who was the, oust- the Prime Minister that was ousted during that coup. But he went across and joined the um, in- insurrectionists and was sort of Spate's right-hand man. Um, and Joe Nata also had a long history as a journalist. Um, uh, he was way back in the 80s behind some, uh, I remember one article about Mara's millions claiming corruption under the government of Ratumara. Uh, 
the what the reason why those two got such long prison sentences was that they both pleaded not guilty whereas all the, a lot of the other ones including Innocent Lingere and various other key players in that coup pleaded guilty and they came out after only one or two years so they have been in prison a hell of a long time and uh, uh, i don't really think they pose any threat to the established order or to the military and i i suspect that these are uh, releases will have been canvassed with the military. Uh, one can't be certain, but that's likely. Looking at the, this in context of Fiji's coups, where does 2000 sit? And, and are there other coup leaders? Are they all walking about and free? Are these the guy, or last people that are in jail for coups in Fiji? Um, I don't think there's anyone still in jail from the 87 coup. And no one went to prison for orchestrating the 2006 coup. Um, although there was a, a court case uh, against Bainimarama and the police chief, but that wasn't for orchestrating the coup. It was for uh, interfering with the uh, uh, process of justice in relation to the uh, 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 an investigation at the University of the South Pacific. Um, the other key person, of course, that is in prison uh, is George Spate himself, the uh, coup leader uh, from 2000, and he, he was given a life sentence. His situation is, is slightly different to the others because uh, the, the, these three and other people are now receiving uh, uh, pardons from the Prerogative of Mercy Commission. But uh, George Spate already received such a pardon because he was sentenced to death back in um, uh, 2001, I think it was. Um, uh, I was in court on that day when the judge put the handkerchief on his head and pronounced the death sentence for George Spate, which was quite a kind of shocking kind of moment. Uh, and uh, uh, very shortly after that, he was um, he, he was pardoned uh, and sent to prison rather than sentenced to death. So the uh, argument about George Spate has been that, look, he's already had a pardon from the Prerogative of Mercy Commission, therefore he can't receive a second pardon. And the military have made clear that, they, uh, that, that they're not keen on his release. Uh, and of course, for, for the military, George Spate is hugely symbolic. He's the, uh, you know, the, the military defined itself by its uh, suppression of the 2000 uh, coup and the mutiny that we already mentioned in November. So it's very important symbolically for the military that, that uh, uh, to, to remember that experience. The Secretary-General of the Pacific Islands Forum has labelled COP28 a disappointment. Lydia Lewis attended Henry Puna's final press conference for 2023. Pacific leaders are in crisis mode, but the world doesn't seem to be listening to their climate crisis calls with both ears. Overall, COP28 was a disappointment because of our prioritising 1.5 degrees as our absolute priority with climate change. And of course, you'll associate with that is the movement away from fossil fuel. Well, we all know what happened. We will never give up. We have to continue pushing for that 1.5. Mr. Puna was pleased, though, to see young Pacific climate warriors in the mix. Their voices must be brought to the centre. Instead of in the side, side events, you know, on the side, where only a handful of people get to hear of it. I have raised this issue with the climate change minister from Australia, Chris Bowen, in our bilateral at uh, Dubai, to say to him that if we win the bid for uh, COP31, that the ocean, along with the voice of our young people, must be centre. 
of that call. The Minister Bowen has, uh, you know, agreed that that is a good suggestion to make. He says standout moments this year include the adoption and endorsement of the 2050 Implementation Plan. That was a mammoth undertaking. I can tell you that, uh, you know, there was some scepticism by some of the crop agencies. That was an impossibility, but I was always determined with the Secretary team that we will deliver. I mean, we have to deliver in accordance with our leaders' directive. And the Climate Mobility Framework. This is the first regional climate mobility framework and is the first of its kind in the world. So in some ways, you know, we are setting out new uh, new grounds in the international um, legal framework. Henry Puna went on to say he's pleased to see the Forum family back together again. And he knows nobody is indispensable, saying he can only carry the baton so far. I came into this role at a very difficult time, particularly when I was central to that uh, difficulty. However, I'm pleased that looking back, we've succeeded in bringing the Forum family back together as one. And I'm also pleased that over the course of the last two years, especially in the last 12 months, we've been able to achieve so much. He's expected to hand over the Secretary-General role to controversial former Nauru President Baron Wanga in May next year. We will have a confirmation of the date for his assumption of office very soon. That's a matter that will be determined as to his contract and starting date between him and the forum chair. As for what Henry Puna plans on doing next... Yeah, we can discuss the last question uh, Meanwhile, the incoming forum chair, Tonga Prime Minister Huakava Meiliku Seosisovalini, will become forum chair at the opening ceremony of the next Forum Leaders Summit. This will be hosted by Tonga in August 2024. The first Pacific professor of psychology at New Zealand's University of Otago hopes more Pacifica will follow in her footsteps. New Zealand-born Samoan Dr. Siautu Alefayo has recently been appointed to the role which combines modern psychology with traditional Pacific Island knowledge. Fino Funua spoke with Dr. Alefayo. You're the first Pacifica professor of psychology to be appointed for Otago University. How does it feel and could you describe your journey? Yeah, thank you, um, Fino. I think personally I feel really humbled by the appointment and really appreciative of my family, you know, my parents. So I um, didn't discover psychology until um, probably in my second year. Um, they inter- Sorry, in my undergrad. So um, in my time, which was sort of the early 90s at some university, especially in Pacific, psychology wasn't an area or discipline or subject that we even knew of. And um, when I came into university, I was introduced to psychology through education. So education had a paper on educational psychology, and that's when I discovered um, psychology and became interested. So I did my undergrad and my postgrad, my master's at Auckland. The pathway to being a practitioner or practicing psychologist is quite long. Um, which in those days were a master's and then a postgraduate diploma of educational psychology. So I then did my postgraduate diploma of educational psychology and internship at Massey University and my doctorate at Monash University in Melbourne, Australia. And 
could you describe your field of study? Yeah, um, right now, um, my area of speciality now is the, it's an intersection between Pacific Indigenous psychology and humanitarian and disaster response and resilience. So what that means is I'm really looking at the ways in which we as Pacific peoples um, of the diaspora, but also Indigenous child Pacific nations and Moana, or Moana is the ocean, how we have evolved over time and how we think and what our worldview is and what influences how we do what we do. You mentioned uh, the psychology around a humanitarian response to disasters. Um, we've had quite a number of natural disasters in the Pacific, the volcanic eruption in Tonga, the cyclones in Vanuatu, all these different cyclones. Is, is your field related to that? Uh, yeah, very much so. Um, the reality is, though, with things like disasters, you know, the majority of our people actually are really resilient. So we tend to be able to um, to move forward and move on quite well. But there is that small minority that, for lots of different reasons, who may have been um, dealing with quite traumatic events in their lives prior to um, a natural hazard, which then creates the disaster. It's the way we respond to these natural hazards that create disasters. And so in that particular, in those instances, that's when, you know, psychologists or counselling um, can have a real important role to play uh, in supporting those that would um, take longer and that need continual support to um, their everyday mental well-being and their health. Are there many Pacifica in the field of psychology? Is there a difference between when you were when you started studying at university and now in terms of the Pacifica presence on university campuses? Oh yes, very much so. Um, we were very rare when I came through. I think there was maybe only three of us at the time. Um, that were coming through, and now it's so heartening to see the numbers that are growing. And the reality is we need more um, Pacific peoples in psychology because it's a profession that um, is very much needed, but also it's a profession where we're still very much a minority. So I would say we're still probably less than 2% of the psychologist profession is Pacific. Could you describe the moment you received that offer from Otago University? Um, I tell you, pure joy. Um, um, I wasn't, to be honest, I wasn't expecting it. You know, I didn't actually, um, I believe for myself, I didn't want, you know, it wasn't like I set out to become an academic. I feel like, you know, God had called me and appointed me into academia. That's what I said. And so, I think when um, I got the call and was offered the job, it was pure, um, pure joy. A lot of uh, tears, a lot of, <laughs> I guess, initially <laughs> screaming up and down. Couldn't really, you know, fathom it myself, but just, yeah, pure joy, to be honest. That's Pacific Waves for today. To listen back, head over to rnzi.com slash programs. We're also on Apple, Spotify and iHeartRadio podcasts. From myself and the RNZ Pacific team, Tofa Soi Fua.